Welcome to No Books Given. We're back with the Muscle Soreness series, and we're in the last installment, which I think is going to be the most fun, and we're going to be discussing how you at home can help your horse overcome muscle soreness. Today, I'm joined by my producer and friend. She's basically my everything because I haven't come up with a better title for her. She's the wearer of all hats and the doer of all the things. Allie. Allie, thank you. <laughs> Being someone's everything, I'm like overwhelmed and flattered. Here's <laughs> the day for muscle soreness. We are finally, part three, the conclusion of this muscle soreness series, which I feel like will be the most actionable episode because we're talking about what you can do at home to help your horses to not be sore. Yep. So we're going to do one of my very favorite things a research dive. <laughs> I'm so excited. Let's do I'm it. I'm so excited. Blow, Let's do blow it. my mind, Maya. Let's go. Girl, 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 girl. Okay. So when it comes to research, there tends to be pretty limited research on horses, especially for more holistic things. So I do like to look at human research. And I recently decided to do my own version of a meta-analysis. Now, obviously, I'm not a scientist. So, you know, I like to have the caveat of I am just a Maya. I'm just a massage therapist. Not doctor. I don't diagnose things. So basically, I did a couple of different things. I wanted to stack um, when it came to muscle soreness. I wanted to basically figure out what the most effective research back ways of tacking it were. But then I also wanted to look for research, massage research specific to horses. This episode could be a three or four hour long episode. So we're just going to try to rein it in and focus on the big things that I recommend owners do to help their horses with muscle soreness and the research that I've found and what it points to. That's great. And we can always come back to this in the future, especially if you guys leave us comments and let us know if you want to hear more about any of these topics we talk about today, please do that. Um, We'd love to hear from you guys. And we've gotten a lot of actionable ideas from the audience even so far. So just let us know what you want to hear about and we'll, we can do a deeper dive. Absolutely. So I... I went through and I looked at a bunch of different research trying to figure out what is what does the science say about the best way to treat DOMS and muscular pain caused by fascial adhesions. Um, and there wasn't any equine research I found that specifically addressed either of those things, DOMS or like specific fascial adhesions. There are a few like abstracts that talked about, you know, basically someone's theory on why myofascial release is so effective or other things similar to that. Um, But what I did look at is um, the results in humans because humans and horses have very similar like biological functions when it comes to what actually makes muscles and their bodies sore. You know, what we talked about with DOMS and um, fascial adhesions in the first episode of this series applies to both um, horses and people. So I felt like it was reasonable to look at human research and relate it back to horses. And I found a fabulous article um, that compared uh, treating treating DOMS um, in people. They compared a bunch of different therapies. So they did um, active recovery. Active recovery is basically like if you work out five days a week, you have one day a week that's like stretching and walking. So, you know, five days a week, you might 
lift weights, go for hard runs. One day a week, you do more of a recovery day. That's like walking around, doing a little bit of like light yoga. That might be active. So active recovery is basically like gentle movement that moves your body through various ranges of motion, um, but isn't like taxing your body. It's giving your chance, your body a chance to get the benefits of movement without necessarily the negative like side effects and pain associated with a hard workout. That totally makes sense. Giving your time to your body time to actually recover and come back from the work. Absolutely. Before you overstress it so you don't right. get injured. So it's recovery, but it's not just sitting because just sitting can have negative effects as well. So they compared active recovery compression. So compression, you know, that can look like, uh, you know, for horses, it's a little bit hard to do compression on like their body. Um, but that would look like in horses, compression would look like on their legs, like a wrap. Um, ice, cold water immersion. Contrast therapy. Contrast therapy is contrasting hot and cold therapy. So on a human, that looks like taking like a, a taking a shower and basically turning the nozzle back and forth, hot and cold. Um, or it can look even more extreme. It can look like taking a sauna and then jumping in an ice bath. On a horse, it literally could look like um, spraying cold water and then spraying hot water. And then finally, electrostimulation. So that would be like a TENS unit. Um, and then, oh, and then also it, of course, had massage. Okay. So do you have any like hypotheses before I tell you the results of the study, which was the most effective? I mean, I'm going to assume that massage was the most effective because you're able to use it in a more targeted way to address whatever muscles that you know were overworked. If you had a hard workout, you wake up the next morning and you're really sore, which actually me and Allie are living right now. I was literally just about to interrupt <laughs> you and be like, can I tell you what I'm really thinking? And, like, um, and where I want a massage <laughs> is on my inner thighs. So like, yeah. if I know that going into it, I'm going to be a lot better off than if I was just like, let's treat my whole body with hot or cold Water. Cold water. Yeah. And well, like, that's the thing is like you and I both woke up this morning really body sore because we had a tough lesson. Allie, would you rather have a TENS unit, hot and cold therapy, compression, like ice, or would you rather have a massage? A thousand percent a massage. Are you kidding? <laughs> like half of those things sound like torture. <laughs> I do want to pause for the audience and clarify what is a TENS unit? Yeah. So a TENS unit, um, basically like there's a little sticky pad. And then it attaches to a wire, which attaches to like a little like Walkman type looking box. I mean, they come in different shapes and sizes, but that's essentially what they tend to look like if you buy one on Amazon. Um, and then you stick it on yourself and then you turn it on and then you, it literally just like shocks you. And then what it basically does, overstimulation analgesia, um, which basically means it overwhelms the body and makes it so that you don't feel pain anymore. Would that be the pain gate theory? Yes! <laughs> oh my God, I was waiting for this one. Oh, yes! I learned something. <laughs> so I taught you about the pain gate control theory when we were talking about wrapping, right? Yes. And we were talking about liniment. Yep. So for those of you who haven't listened to that episode, it is a good episode. Um, but I do want to touch on, we, actually, I'm going to tell you the results of the study. Okay, yeah. Wait, <laughs> so, so was I right? Yeah, you were right. Massage was the most effective um, and for reducing um, perceived muscle fatigue. So not only did it make you less sore, it also made you feel like you were able to go out and work out more effectively the next day. Um, 
it does seem like cold exposure had some help um, reducing inflammation. Um, okay, it's a, it also says the most powerful technique for reducing inflammation, so not just pain um, and perceived fatigue, was massage and cold exposure, which seems kind of obvious um, mm -hmm. for the cold exposure, but I thought it was cool that massage reduced the inflammation as well. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe some of these therapies that seem like torture aren't more effective than something that might, you know, I mean, massage can be painful in the moment, but generally, I feel yeah. like it just makes you feel so much better afterwards. I do think there's a psychology to that. And like, we, we probably don't have time to get into this a lot, but like, I do think there's a psychology to, I feel like a lot of people don't take massage seriously because it feels good. Mm -hmm. And mm. I think we live in a world that really views like no pain, no gain as like the, like what we need to do, like with our life. And I just think that there's a much better way a lot of the time. I mean, absolutely, when you're working out, you need to push yourself hard to get like the maximum results, but that is not how recovery works. Man, Maya, that was just so insightful. Like that is really kind of mind boggling to think about, but I think you're totally right that we live in a society that's like, if you aren't hurting, if you aren't trying your hardest, if you aren't struggling, yeah, you're not doing it right. Yeah, I mean, it even goes back to like, I was talking to a friend um, who is a chiropractor and he was talking about getting a shockwave versus getting a PEMF machine. And I was like, well, PEMF has like most of the benefits and feels good. Whereas shockwave hurts, like shockwave hurts a lot to get. And I was like, I can absolutely believe that shockwave is more powerful. And basically you can get the same amount of power in a shorter amount of time, which has some benefits. But I was like, wouldn't you rather have your patients have something that actually is comfortable for them to sit and get when they visit your office? And he was like, no, I want, like, he was like, no, like, I think that it's good to have the super painful one because I think that they'll think it's more effective and they'll pay more for it. And I was like, oh my God, like, and I don't think that he's necessarily wrong for that either. Like, I actually, I do think there's a psychology to that, like, but anyways. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's such a fascinating psychology to what we do to ourselves. So now we know based on this study that massage is the best treatment for DOMS and we can infer that it also is going to be effective in working on fascial adhesions. So with that in mind, what can we do for our horses to keep them feeling their best using massage? Yeah, so there are a lot of different options um, that are absolutely worth exploring. Um, you know, of course, I think that the very best thing you can do is learn to massage your horse yourself in addition to using like a very good professional body worker. Uh, and, you know, I have like a lot of different online courses for every um, goal and budget. Um, you know, depending on what you want to look for. I think that Equine Massage 101 is definitely the best one for just overall muscular pain and um, being able to help your horse with that. So here's the reason why massage is so effective at treating both of those things. So we talked about DOMS. When we exercise, we're creating little micro tears in the muscle. Right. And the lymph flows to those little micro tears. Right. And if it doesn't come back out of that muscle, it swells. And becomes very uncomfortable. Got it. So that's DOMS. That's DOMS. DOMS is basically lymph collecting in the muscle and feeling very uncomfortable. Um, and the thing about lymph is that it doesn't have a pump, right? right. So the, the lymph runs alongside the circulatory system. 
The lymph runs alongside the circulatory system. However, it doesn't have a pump like the circulatory system does in the heart and the lungs. Yes. So in order to move the lymph through the lymph system, you have to use manual therapies. Or exercise. Yeah, and an exercise would be a manual therapy, right? I think of manual therapy as like doing something to the horse and then exercise is exercise. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the, the only two ways lymph can move is manual therapy or exercise. So of course that's part of the reason why it's so good um, for a muscle sore horse to get a lot of turnout. And that's why so many horses um, like older horses do so much better with turnout. Not only does it lubricate the joints, it also helps to have that lymphatic fluid moving constantly because unfortunately all of the organ systems, including lymph, including circulatory, all of those systems get less effective as you age. Right. So that's part of the reason why those horses and people might be more prone to muscle soreness as they get older. That absolutely tracks and makes sense. What kind of techniques can we use on our horses? Great questions. So what massage is doing when targeting DOMS is it's basically flushing the lymph out of the muscle. Um, so that's why like a lot of the time, if you go and see a sports massage therapist, they do a lot of like gliding and sweeping and tapping motions because it's much more activating and moving. And that's also why massage guns can be really effective at treating DOMS um, because of that constant percussion or vibration. My caveat to that is I do think that a lot of people misuse massage guns. So I am very cautious to recommend massage guns for horse owners. And we are at some point going to do a whole episode on that. If you guys are interested, just let us know. Just for a quick aside, like not all massage implements are created equal. Yes. And I have had a personal experience with um, a vibrating peanut basically for your back. Literally, I overused it in one session and I gave myself horrible bruising. Oh my God. From sitting on it basically on my lower back and using a percussion based massage gun I've never had that issue yeah I will say that's like my one of my biggest things is use there are what most people don't know is that there are two kinds of massage guns percussion and vibrational and I say go with percussion every single time it feels so much better first of all and it's just it is so much more effective I've had that exact experience with vibrational massage guns I won't let one touch me it really it really irritates like all of my soft tissue structures that gets used on. Yeah. So basically when your horse is muscularly sore, anything that you can do to move physically move the lymph out of them. So definitely turn them out. Um, lymph, lymph fluid really likes warmth. Like it really likes, um, that helps to move it out of the muscles as well. So for you, that might look like taking a hot shower for your horse, taking a warm bath or standing them under like a heat lamp might be a nice way to do, might be a nice way to warm them up and soften up. That actually helps not only with DOMS, but that does help with fascial adhesions. Um, Fascia really likes heat, does not like the cold. In one of the other podcasts we just recorded, we were talking about how winter is sometimes everybody's least favorite time of the year and can result in horses being more reactive, spooking, bolting, because the weather has changed. But we were attributing some of that to, you know, like the drop in the heat and it being cold might set off some muscular things, just like in our own bodies. When it gets cold, we're more stiff. You know, we may have a harder time moving our joints. It may hurt more. It may pop more. So to take that into consideration as well, like how the the environment might be impacting your horse and their muscle soreness. 
I think that's very true. You know, the cold weather not only like physically makes you feel colder and tighten up muscularly, but it does like it makes it a little bit harder for the lymph to move. It makes your fascia a little bit tighter. It also makes your joints achy. You know, we had our first pretty cold day here last week and I woke up with my hands hurting. Oh, (laughs) shout out to the 10 horses I massage. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to the, I think it was the seven horses I massaged the day before. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, you know, arthritic pain really translates pretty quickly to um, muscular pain as well because it's so closely associated. So with DOMS, you know, being able to move that lymph fluid out of the muscle is incredibly important. And those techniques are taught in my courses. Additionally, massage is one of the, is basically the way to treat fascial adhesions as well, which are the main, one of the best way to treat like nerve impingements and pain from fascial adhesions. Myself as a horse owner at home, how would I be able to palpate my horse and tell where they have fascial adhesions? Yeah, so I teach a lot about that in my various courses. Um, Equine Massage 101, I go over the whole horse um, and how to palpate each area. And then, so basically in every section of Equine Massage 101, I go over signs that your horse might have pain in that area, like very specific to that area. Then I go over how to palpate the various muscles in that area to check for pain responses. And then finally, how to massage. And then Um, And then how to massage, you know, my really effective myofascial release techniques. And then finally, I go over the management steps that you can take to prevent that problem from coming back. That's amazing. How do I know that my horse has a myofascial, I mean, um, a fascial adhesion? Myofascial is the same, yeah. Um, Yeah, so there are a lot of different things. I mean, first of all, just like first visually looking at a horse, um, you might see like tighter like bands and structures. Like sometimes someone will send me a picture and like it's very, very, it's typically much easier and more common to see in the neck. Like you can see um, like, I don't know if striations is the right word. Like you can just see like a lot of tension and like, little like tight like taut like bands through the fur and the tissue and um you can also just see like it just feeling the tone of the muscle um the tone of the horse's body might be much harder and tighter and then um you can also see so if you actually like get your hand on the horse and you put just enough pressure that you're moving the skin with your fingertips. Um, but you're not like, like you can almost feel that you're touching, like you're moving the skin on top of the muscle, if that makes sense. Basically, if you kind of like feel with your fingers, like, and you're moving the skin around, um, underneath the muscles, first of all, if you're doing that and your horse is unhappy, your horse is in muscular pain. <laughs> Almost yeah. definitely. They might have other stuff going on at the base of that. So definitely get your vet involved. But that is a good sign if they don't like just that little amount of pressure, that's a sign they're in pain. But also if you're trying to move the skin and it just feels really hard, especially like it's very, it feels like very hard to move that area, especially on a more mobile area like the neck um, or like over the back or, you know, the glutes tend to be so like filled they tend to not be quite as mobile in some areas. Um, but overall, if you're kind of feeling different areas and like either overall your horse is very like immobile through their tissue, but also if there are some spots that it's very, very hard to move that tissue around, that can indicate that there's a fascial adhesion as well. 
That's really good to know. And I mean, I think we talk a lot about listening to our horses and by listening, we mean like visually taking in like what they're trying to tell us with their body. I do recommend, and this is getting a little bit off topic. I do recommend people take like monthly pictures and videos of their horses going um, like take confirmation pictures and then also take videos of your horse, like walk, trot, cantering without a rider on them. And ideally with a rider on them and like your normal training sessions, but just gives you such a baseline as to like what they normally look like and what their normal is. And if they're getting better or getting worse. I love that so much. And I think we can take this back to the larger conversation a little bit because it is like in horses, the quicker you can catch a problem generally across the board, the better off you're going to be in the long run. You're so and right. It is, in my experience, a lot of those early signs are very minute. And it's just like you might be riding and be like, I feel like my horse is just slightly off. But no one else can see it. But you're riding, so you feel it. Right. And especially as an amateur rider and owner, sometimes I get a little bit of that imposter syndrome where, like, I don't really know what I'm feeling. Like, maybe I'm not attuned to it. But actually, in most situations, I would say I was almost always right like my gut instinct was correct a good vet I worked with always said you can feel it before you can see it with horses lamenesses and that's it's just so true and it does go back to the larger picture of like how do I help my horse with muscle soreness well really the best thing you can do is prevent it And, you know, that's why, like, such a big part of my courses and, like, my overall education is management strategies because I was an upper-level event groom, and I've been in and out of, like, hundreds of barns at this point. So I've seen so many different ways that people have different, like, little tips and tactics of, like, helping their horses feel their best. And what I've noticed is, like, the people whose horses feels the best all have really good fitting saddles from a good brand – they all like really care about their horse's feet and their horse's grain. So their ho- their horse's muscles are just set up for success that way. And then also they just are constantly running their hands over their horses and they're really invested in them. So, you know, if their the horse starts to become a little bit sore, like for example, you should I very much so believe in grooming your horse every day. You know, and then if one day you're grooming over your horse's back and they're shrinking away from you and their muscles are getting really tight, that way you can immediately call the vet, call the saddle fitter, call your body worker. You know, you can keep an eye on that and get ahead of the issue before it's something that's taking them out for like two or three months. What I've loved so much about being a student in your courses, because that's I've said this on the podcast before, but that's how I found you in the first place. And so, you know, like looking at those courses, being able for myself to tell that there's a problem and then at least palpate to see where it is and kind of get a baseline for what that severity looks like in my horses so that when you do need to like make an investment by calling a saddle fitter or a vet, like you can kind of save some of that initial like you can make that initial assessment with more confidence, getting this knowledge for yourself, essentially. Right, because I think that so many of us pay for experience through the nose in money, like in vet bills, in like giant mistakes that we make. But the more we can access education and other people's experience, the less that our pocketbooks and our horses have to pay the price of a lack of experience. Totally. And so many choices like are based on a time thing too. Like it's like if you, and like if you can catch it early, you're, you're just setting yourself up for like a shorter window of recovery. And for people who, you know, are very intense with their horses, like they're high performing equine athletes, 
across the board in any discipline. I feel like that's so important. Yeah. I mean, even if you're not, and we say high intensity, even if you aren't competing at the upper levels, but you know, you are serious about your goals at the lower levels, it still makes a world of difference if you catch soreness and pain within a few days, because that can literally affect your entire season. Um, and that, you know, in more serious things, like that can also affect like your relationship with your horse, you know, like, for example, like I had a bad relationship with my heart horse for a long time because he was in so much muscular pain and I had no idea. Like, I didn't even know how to palpate his back. I didn't, I thought it was normal that when I groomed him, he was super uncomfortable and he tossed his head and he like, um, pinned his ears at me. You know, I thought it was normal that he bucked and bolted under saddle. And I also at some point I figured out he was muscularly sore, but there was literally nothing I could do about it. And I just felt so helpless. So to just be able to like learn from other people, um, I think it's just, I hope that every horse owner does that and is able to help out their horse when they can. Yeah. That's such a beautifully, beautifully said. Yeah. I also got a lot of concussions from him being really back sore. So mm. also I look back and think like, wow, I would be a little bit smarter if I'd figured that out sooner. Well, and I think it is very common, like people to have like a bad baseline with a horse and they just yeah. take that as like, that's just the horse. Yeah. And but, it's not normal. Pain is not normal. But, and then I don't think a lot of times we're even processing that it's pain. We're just, you yeah. know, you, yeah. at least in a lot of training situations, almost always the default is like the horse is just being bad. Yeah. But if there's pain involved and knowing how to find where that pain is and address it, like it's pretty game changing in my opinion. It is. Yeah. It allows you to evolve with them and progress so much faster. Like as soon as I was consistently working on Wesley, like not only was our relationship so much better, but we progressed as a team riding wise so much faster. Yeah. Um, but you also reminded me of something when we were talking about grooming, um, grooming is like one of the best, not directly massage ways to move your horse's lymphatic system around a little bit. Um, so, you know, giving your horse like a pretty good curry, as long as they can, um, tolerate it, that sort of stimulation, um, it's not quite as effective or targeted as massage, but it can absolutely be helpful, um, with moving that lymphatic fluid around and addressing any muscular pain. Which I mean... Like, in my opinion, and correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. but any kind of manual stimulation you're going to give your horse's muscles is better than nothing, right? Like, even yes. if yes. you are just running your hands over their body and pushing, like, gently, that would be preferable to not, to just, like, putting them back up and not doing anything after a ride. Right. I mean, because basically like the cool thing about massage is it's doing like so many things at one time and massage, like your massage, like hopefully it's actually massaging your horse, but you can even think of like a good curry as like a form of massage, you know, not only is it moving that lymphatic fluid, it's also addressing fascial adhesions. If it's myofascial release, it's also addressing, um, it's acting on something called the pain gate control theory, which we've talked about in other podcasts. We, we dive pretty deep into that in the bandaging and wrapping episode. So definitely check it out if you haven't, but, um, the pain gate control theory, um, is basically the theory that proves that, um, we can only really process one sense at a time, like once one piece of sensory information at a time. So for example, like if you fall and you hit your knee, you might apply pressure to your knee, right? Like you might like hold, like, let's say you fall from your bike and you scrape your knee, you're holding your knee and applying pressure. And that's because basically the, like, 
feeling, the mechanical feeling of the compression is actually helping to detract from the pain. That's also why, like, for example, if you, um, if you, uh, what was it? There's another example. Like if you've ever gotten a wax and then they like they wax you and then they like pet you afterwards that's why because they're distracting your brain can only process so many things so part of what massage does that's so cool is let's say your horse is really muscularly tight and tense and their muscles might be in spasm um and part of the reason that is is because um basically there's an area in pain so the muscle tightens to protect it then there isn't as good of a range of motion. And so the area gets into even more pain from compensating. And then the muscle continues to tighten more and more over time to protect that area that's so painful. Well, what the what massage can do with the pain gate control theory is it's applying that mechanical force, that compression and that really good feeling. And basically it's allowing that muscle to relax and to stretch and to be able to come back to where it was supposed to be and to allow the body to function better and have a better range of motion. Um, okay, so the massage is working on fascial adhesions, lymph and the pain gate control theory. That's why it's so awesome. There are some other things that you can do if you're that you can do at home if your mus if your horse is muscle sore though. They might not be quite as effective as massage, but they're still very valid. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's worth absolutely worth talking about because not everyone is, you know, like what if you have really bad arthritis in your hands and you can't massage your horse? What else can you do? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or, you know, if you want to just like stack things. Like for example, I get massages, but I also do a lot of the other things we're about to talk about. Um, you know, I am a fan of heat therapy. For me personally, I find it very effective at like taking the edge off of my muscle pain. Um, so I think heat is a good one. I think Cold is actually a pretty common misconception. And at some point, I'm going to have a podcast about this. We just have not gotten there yet, unfortunately. Um, cold, I think, can have sometimes more negative effects than good. They actually did do a study on um, people taking ice baths and its effect on DOMS, and they found that the effect was actually negative. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So ice baths for humans actually have a lot of benefits when it comes to hormonal and like adrenal um, and vagus nerve stimulation. And I think that why some people feel like a positive effect physically is actually because of the hormonal stuff you get from it. Hmm. Like basically you get all this like norepinephrine and like pain killing hormones. Um, you also literally physically get a numbing effect. Right. So I think that's why the perceived, I think that influences the perceived benefit of cold, but horses don't get fully submerged in the cold water the way humans do. Um, and also they have so much muscle tissue. I don't think that cold water on horses muscles is a good idea unless it's really hot and you're trying to cool them down. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And there are other things too, like um, red light therapy and, of course, my very favorite, PEMF. I think PEMF is really amazing at helping muscle soreness. Um, you know, it just has so many circulatory benefits and it has been proven like a million times over to help with both DOMS and osteoarthritic pain and just muscle pain in general. So that's a really good one to integrate. Um, but then also what I really love to talk about is what we have been touching on throughout this episode, which is preventative. And I think correctional, um, strengthening exercises are huge for that. Mm -hmm. 
this was like random. Um, if you want to talk about active recovery and the research behind it when it comes to horses, I was very surprised about this. There has been a few pieces of research showing that active recovery compared to essentially the control, which was no active recovery, just rest, actually doesn't have a st- statistical benefit. Which I was very surprised about. Like, I thought that it's kind of common sense, but I'm still going to do it, like, for myself and for my horses. I'm still going to have days where, like, they just hack or, like, I just walk around and stretch. Um, Maybe part of that is because, you know, you're actually doing something in stretching when maybe you wouldn't otherwise. Like, you're kind of using the slotted time to do something, like, easy instead of not doing anything at all and not stretching, I don't know. I was very confused by that research. There are a few different pieces of it, but, you know, either way, I'm still going to do it. I would say there's a lot of variables to that, too, especially when it comes to horses, you know. And humans. And, like, also, um, there's no negative effect. No. Right? So, like, that's the thing with all of this stuff, and that's what I always say is as long as, you know, always do no harm. If it's not doing harm and you think that there's a benefit, go for it. Yeah, and and to reframe this just slightly, because yeah. I know there is research showing that if you go, as a human, yeah. if you go have an intense workout doing anything, and then you immediately stop at the height of that workout right. and rest, right. you are going to be so much more sore than you are had you done a cool down, yeah. had you walked the next day. Right, because also, like, it improves your circulation. Right. I wonder if part of it is that, yeah, it moves all the stuff around. But I wonder if part of the argument is that what's more important than the active recovery the next day is the cool down directly after. I do wonder if that's the, if that might be what the research is pointing at, but I almost feel like this could be its own episode or like looking at active recovery in horses, what that looks like. But I actually, what I was trying to get at with the exercise things before we got a little bit sidetracked is um, I think that strengthening to protect your body is so important in both horses and people. I mean, I personally know that when I am not regularly weightlifting, it's so much more likely I'm going to put my back out working on horses or more likely actually lifting equipment in and out of my car. So I think what we're getting at is like, what kind of exercises can we do with our horses to strengthen them in a healthy and gradual way? Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, always keeping in mind to increase exercise slowly and give rests. You know, I love, we talked about rest a lot in me and Dr. Chuck's episode, um, where basically we talked about like the stair step method of increasing work, resting, increasing work, resting, increasing work, resting. I think that that's really beneficial. Um, you know, and that doesn't look like a hard week, a a week off, a hard week, a week off, just to be clear. Go ahead and listen to that episode if you're interested in that. That looks more like a gradual incline over a three-week period and then a few days of rest a gra- or more, you know, a lighter week, and then a gradual incline and then a, f- a week or so of rest and another gradual incline. You know, that's yeah. kind of – it's a much more gradual stair step. It's not like a direct stair step oh, method. Totally. I believe the word that he used in that episode was strategic rest. Yes. Oh, so, that's which, really good. Yeah. yeah it's like – and it, to me that totally makes sense in, in how we're talking about all of this care for our horses being very strategic and yeah. thoughtful about how you're increasing your work, how you're addressing that in the rest, how you're addressing that in their diet. You know, it is a yeah. very holistic, I think the best way to look at your horse's care is from a holistic point of view. I agree. And, you know, I think also when you, you know, one thing I like to say a lot is that muscles need three things to grow. They need exercise, 
proper nutrition and rest. And a lot of people forget about rest. You know, I do think that for everything we're talking about with massage and how effective it is, there are times in a horse's life that they do just need to rest as well. Um, you know, or they just need a little bit less work than they're getting. You know, if you are like, if your horse is chronically really sore and you've addressed different things with the vet and you personally are working on them, they're also getting seen by a body worker and they have a saddle fitter and they have a nutrition on board. It may be time to consider like slowing down your training program. Mm -hmm. They might just not be able to keep up with how much you're expecting of them um, because different horses have different abilities that way, the same as people do. Totally. And I just wanted to, to come back to your response. If you don't have the resources to see like a saddle fitter or a vet regular, like more than, you know, you're allotted once a year, because I know that can be really hard for some people in certain parts of the country and the world. Um, you can do things like this to like lean on podcasts, lean on the mm -hmm. free resources to be able to do whatever you can to help them. But so much of this is just really listening to what your horse is trying to tell you yes, and having a conversation with them as opposed to a one-sided, like we are always telling them what they need to do and how they should live. Yes. Yes. Excellent. Thank Excellent. Thank you. Yes. I love that. Yeah. I mean, let's talk briefly about the strengthening and corrective exercises. Yeah. So some of my favorite strengthening and corrective exercises, um, first of all, there are a lot of really good stretches that I recommend and that are on um, my social media for free. You know, we have tons of free resources with stretches. If you guys want, I can go through and like repost those around the time that we release this episode so you guys can try those. But those exercises are really good. And I mean, uh, if you're actually really good about doing them, they make the world of difference. The thing is you actually have to be consistent about it. And that's the hardest thing for everyone. Um, you know, like I have, there was a horse I was working on and he was six and he was so incredibly sore through his hind end. Me and his owner were really worried about what was happening. I was coming out to see him once a week, once every other week one, and once a month, um, you know, depending on our schedules and he was just getting worse and worse. And she would do like she was doing other things for him. She was trying to, she was toning down how much she was working on him. She was messing with the shoes. And then I sh showed her a couple of stretches and she religiously did them every single day. Um, I think she actually did them twice a day. I think she did them a few times on each side, morning and evening when she fed him. You know, and I came back a month later and his hind end was like perfect. God, that's so amazing. It's so amazing. And it was just stretches. And like it probably takes her five minutes twice a day. That's, you know what I mean? That's like, what I wanted I wanted to highlight. Because yeah. I think sometimes people think routine and making it like a daily thing sounds so overwhelming. Yeah. But and I'm one of those people that like I'm so ADHD. I have so much to do. I have two jobs. I have a whole farm. Like any add to that feels really overwhelming. Yeah. But I want to just say, which something has been really game changing for me in the last year is that making something a part of your routine does not have to be time consuming. And like, I've come to find that just doing something like stretching with my horse or even working them under saddle for like 15 minutes like if that's really the bulk of our workout, like we warm up and cool down obviously right, before right. and after. But I have three horses, like sometimes I can't work with them each for an hour or two, but just doing it for a shorter amount of time, more days of the week than like, 
let's say, waiting till the weekend to just work on those few things yeah. is so much more effective. And it's really like not even that much more of a lift because you're you're making like microdosing those those experiences, right? I totally agree with you. And I would actually even argue that it's more beneficial to the horses. You know, I do, I see a lot of like weekend warrior people or people like me or you who get overwhelmed because there's so much on our plate. Like we, when we actually finally have time, we do too much, Yeah. you know, whereas like if we just took the like five minutes once or twice a day to stretch our horses or to um, like, or if like every day, like even if we don't have time to do a full ride, like on days that we need to be in and out of the barn we just like um lunged them over some cavaletti um i love cavaletti and pull work for core strengthening and bringing their back up and toning of the thoracic sling and hindquarters i think that's like basically the best thing you can do my caveat to that is pull work is it has to be done strategically and it has to be done kind of specifically. So my favorite resource of, of that is uh, Cavaletti by Ingrid and Rainer Kilmke. It's a really good book. You can get it on Amazon and it basically teaches you everything you need to know. And it's a very easy read. Like it's, you know, you can page through it in like a half an hour and get a very good baseline of um, a lot of amazing exercises for your horse strengthening wise and they also walk you through how to introduce your horses to cavaletti and pull work so that's like i mean i've thought about making resources before for people to do pull work because i think it's so important but i actually think that one's the best there is i don't think i can do it better than that book yeah and i'm we're not really in the habit of giving like plugging other social media but the equine academy i believe is her page Mm. i should look it up but she has really great she's on instagram and we'd love to have you on the podcast, actually, if you're ever interested. And we may just tag you in the show notes and reach out. <laughs> but I really love her page because she puts up different types of pole work oh, cool. exercises that you can yeah. do with your horse. And I found those to be very helpful and, like, open my mind to, like, all of the different kinds of things you can do with poles and cavalettis. Um but also I wanted to plug um, Jillian Higgins has a really great book for stretching and Pilates yes. on horses that I'll also yeah. include in the show notes of this episode because um, that's been very helpful for me and my horses as well. Yeah, Jillian Higgins has a lot. Like her books are great for like anyone just starting to get into this world or even not. Like I still continue to reference her books to this day. Um, Jillian Higgins does have a lot of really good books and good resources. There's so much out there. I mean, there are like, there are like, I mean, that's a great one. There are a lot of accounts that like have, you know, there are so many resources out there. Like anyone listening to this who is struggling with this stuff, like I, you know, there's so many free resources on my page. There are free massage techniques that I teach. There's a really affordable um, challenge I have with Ridley right now. Super, super affordable. It's like $20 or something like that. Um, And you know, there's also, we have, uh, you, I have my free massage technique that I teach. It's like the best technique ever, basically. And I gave it away for free because it just benefits so many horses. Like every horse has an issue there. Um, you can find that on my website or on my social media. But then, yeah, I mean, there's so many resources online. Like, you know, Jillian Higgins has a lot of good ones. That Equine Academy has a lot of good ones. You know, just putting yourself out there and learning from good people um, who are well-educated is the best thing that you can do for yourself and your horse. Yeah, absolutely. Especially like, I think like I come from such a background where I've like felt pretty isolated out where I live, you know, and I'm very fortunate to have come in contact with a lot of really good local 
people who are very knowledgeable who have turned me on to people like you. Yeah. Um, so this is just me as an amateur equestrian um, telling all of you guys, like, do your research. There's good stuff out there, and you don't have to spend a dollar on it if you don't want to. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so then a couple of just, like, the, like, actionable items I want people to take home, you know, to kind of, like, sum up this episode. So, first of all, prevention is the is better – an ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure. So having a really good baseline understanding of, like, what your horse looks like and how they feel and how they're going, you know, pictures, constantly grooming them and, um, you know, being able to palpate them to check for pain is really, really valuable. Um, and then – being able to learn how to massage them. It's literally the best way to uh, help with muscular soreness on multiple levels. Um, Highly recommend learning how to do that and getting a good body worker involved. Um, And then preventative measures such as, you know, a lot of what we talked about in the last episode with like what gets caught, what causes, you know, muscular soreness, like really implementing preventative measures to avoid your horse developing stuff like that, like ulcers, back pain from poor saddle fit, you know, saddle fits, one of the most important ones. Um, and then finally doing strengthening exercises such as, um, stretches, um, you know, carrot stretches to strengthen the back and, uh, pull work is one of the very best things you can do. And then finally, um, doing like hill work and other kinds of work that ask the horse to move very straight, um, is very, very helpful. And think about going in a lot of like straight lines to strengthen your horse that in doing different things that kind of encourage them to move evenly through their body. Those are just all some of the best things that you can do to both help your horse when they are muscularly sore and also prevent it from happening. That's so amazing. Awesome. Appreciate that as a, <laughs> as a amateur here. <laughs> okay. So usually at the end of every podcast, we ask our guests a question, but today I'm going to flip it on Maya. Ooh. So Maya, what do you not buck with when it comes to preventing muscle soreness? I'm going to tease this for our next episode for you and me. I don't buck with people going out and buying a massage gun and using it on their horse with no training. That's pretty juicy. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'll be afraid to try it on my horse until we have that conversation. But anyway, thank you for having me today. It's always so fun. Thank you for coming on. You're the best. Oh, you are. (laughs) She's the Leslie Nope to my Ann Perkins. (laughs) 